0: This week, we have a double dose of goodness. Of course, we have Jake's Take, the ultimate behind-the-scenes Bassmaster show with Bassmaster videographer Jake LaTondres. But that's not all. We also have the newest Elite Series champion, Brock Mosley. Jake LaTondres and Brock Mosley join me this week on...
1: I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer.
0: Welcome one, welcome all, friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. This is episode 113, and uh, we got a good one. Just back from the Sabine River in Orange, Texas. Giant crowds, um, a giant festival, a giant event. Uh, The only thing that isn't giant there is the fish, but man, what an emotional way to end that tournament. Brock Mosley finally gets it done and uh, becomes a Bassmaster Elite Series champion after being a five-time Elite Series bridesmaid. He is finally the bride, and um, there was a lot of tears shed in the crowd, which um, just shows how uh, special of a person Brock is and how many people were cheering to see him pull this off. Um, But it was a great event. I can't thank the people of Orange enough. Uh, The only thing missing at that event, for me personally, is air conditioning. It was very hot. I am too Canadian and too chunky to stand on a stage in in that kind of sweltering heat. But we made it through. I need to apologize to one of our fine viewers. You guys know I love it when you guys come up and say hello to me. Um, At events, I encourage you to do that. Come up, say hello. Tell me you watch the podcast. We'll have a chat. Well, I was walking off the stage. I don't know if it was day one or day two, but I was literally like soaked in sweat, just stumbling to the (laughs) media trailer. And uh, a guy, I believe his name was Kevin, stopped me to say hello. Hey, Kevin, thank you for saying hello. Um, I shook his hand and and said hi to him, said it was good to meet him. But then I kind of said, I got to go because I was... I was sunstroked or something, but I went in the trailer and chilled out for a little while, and I was fine. So, Kevin, sorry I was so sweaty when we met and in such a rush. But for everybody else, thank you for coming up and saying hello. It was great to see everybody. A great event, um, lots to talk about, and this week's show, we got lots to cover because... We have Jake LaTondres here, as we always do after an Elite Series event. He is Bassmaster videographer extraordinaire, so he's going to give his Jake's take on the week. But we're also going to do something a little different. How about dragging the champ in here? We're going to champ, Chase, just like everybody else. We're going to bring Brock Mosley on. So this may be a very, very long podcast, so it may take more than one drive to work to listen to this. But uh, hey, just like a good candy bar, you can eat it in sections. That's, that's what our podcast is all about. Speaking of which, um, the streaming numbers are through the roof. Uh, YouTube has been growing for a long time. Um, 215,000 subs now. Thank you for that. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Um, throw a thumbs up. Leave a comment. It's all appreciated. But if you listen on a streaming service... More of you are doing this, and I'm going to encourage all of you to do it because it really helps us with ratings and, and the way the streaming. I mean, more people are watching this show streaming now than are watching on YouTube. Awesome. Thank you. Um, more than double, um, which is amazing. So we want to keep pushing the streaming end. So do us a favor, please. Just leave a rating and a review on, on whatever streaming service, whether it be Apple, whether it be Spotify, wherever you do, leave a review, leave a rating. It really helps us. Um, and I'm thankful for all of that. This show, before we go any further, just one little bit of, I don't know if it's negativity or what. You guys know, I mean, there's no magic behind this show. I mean, we don't have fancy music. We don't have fancy lights. We just have real conversations with real friends about real stuff. And just like in every conversation you have, whether it be with a friend at work, whether it be with your spouse, whatever, you're just having a conversation, you're just exchanging opinions and thoughts on things. And that's all this show is. Recently, one of our recent episodes, um, we had a very real conversation, a very honest conversation, a thankfully honest. I was shocked that the angler brought up some of the stuff that they did but also thankful that they were comfortable enough to be as open and honest as they were, as they were. Um, it was a great episode. It was just a few weeks ago. I'm not going to tell you which episode, but somebody got very upset about some of the stuff said in it. And, and there was a name used in that episode and said person called me and they were very upset. So upset that they threatened legal action. Um, I actually said that that would be great exposure for the podcast if you want to sue us. Um, <laughs> please don't, um, because I can't afford that kind of exposure. But I apologize that it, it you maybe got a... I mean, I, I don't even know where to... What I'm saying is, from here on out, just assume everything you hear in this show is opinions, The opinions expressed in this show are those of the participants and not those of anything that is fact. So rather than people wanting to sue me and and take away a show that I think we all enjoy, from here on out, let's just assume everything is alleged and, and it might all be fantasy, but really maybe it's true. Or maybe I'm lying and it's all a fantasy. But all of this charade is so that we don't get called and don't get threatened with legal action. Hopefully, I don't have to talk about this again moving forward. I love the honest takes. I love the honest opinions. I don't love lawyers. So probably saying that wasn't smart. Without further ado, maybe we should just jump into our first guest. That's right. Stick around the whole way through this show. We are going to have Elite Series Champion Brock Mosley, but first up, Jake's Take with Jake LaTondres. We now go live or pseudo-live to Fort Collins, Colorado. Jake's Take. Jake, we have literally talked for 45 minutes before I hit record, so this show may suck. (laughs) That's
2: why we started this podcast in the first place. (laughs)
0: Because we
2: talk a lot. I am back in Colorado. I went from heat or sauna heat in south texas to hoodie weather in colorado
0: oh when i landed it was um back here in toronto it was uh and i made sure to check this It was 78 degrees perfect like i walked out and i'm like oh it's there's a crispness in the air i don't feel like every pore of my body is and and I put a post during the, the event and was like, This Texas heat is no joke. And of course, it's social media. So everybody that lives anywhere that ever gets hot has to chime in and be like, Oh, it's not even hot. It was for freaking me. And it was for me too. Do you know who said, No, who didn't say it was not hot during weighing? Anybody that was at the freaking weighing, it was freaking so humid, so hot. Um, But My response to uh, Joey Cifuentes called me out actually on social media. My response to him remains the same. I can't wait till we get up North and you guys tell me how big those waves are. And I'll be like, ah, there's nothing. Those waves are nothing. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was freaking hot. Like maybe the hottest tournament I've on the stage that those, that especially the first and second day, first day was the worst. Um, I think I don't know. They all run in together. Your
2: stage was facing west too, right?
0: Oh yeah, and it's yeah. black. I mean, clearly that yeah. stage was designed yeah. by somebody who had never stood on a stage outdoors. Um, so yeah, it it was it was hot, but maybe I mean the hottest tournament I've ever MC'd was probably Little Rock when we were right downtown Little Rock on uh, the Arkansas River. Denny Brower won that, but it was it was pretty close. It was uh, it was very very toasty. That's got to be tough on on you guys, you know, I think it is in all of us on Sunday. We all kind of look like zombies that take off.
2: I mean, it was, it was, I, it was so hot. The anglers and the how hot guys, was it, Jake? Dude, it was so hot that I could feel the sweat rolling down my spine into oh. my butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but hey, that's how hot it was. You asked. Yeah. <laughs> it it was it there were times where it was miserable, especially in some of those coves we were in where the wind there was no wind and it was man, it was sweltering hot. But, you know, as as the guys were flipping, uh, which a lot of people were, the fish were biting when it got hot and humid and sunny and you know, miserable for us was good for fishing. So, you know, it is what it is, right? It was South Texas.
0: Yeah. And the, the people, once again, of Orange showed out. Um, Golly. Th- th- that area That's is insane. Could you imagine how big the crowds would be if they had bass? <laughs> <laughs>
2: what if we had the classic there <laughs> and they had big bass?
0: <laughs> Here's how we fix it. This is what we do because uh, I figured it out. I mean, we're going to have to break a few laws, but we can fix it. We need to have a Toledo Bend tournament and do the weigh-in. In orange. And then we just, I mean, we, a couple of, I mean, four days worth of bringing fish back from Toledo Bend will fix that fishery (laughs) up like that.
2: (laughs) in a heartbeat and turn them loose, turn them loose in the Sabine.
0: (laughs) It's why do you think they're as stunted as they are?
2: So I asked that question to a lot of people, not a lot, but you know, four or five people and the theories uh, or the common theories are all very similar. One as soon as the fish start getting some age under their belts, a hurricane comes in, yeah, contaminates the fresh water with salt water and they die. And the other interesting uh common response was a lot of them swim to the mouth. They go down to the mouth during their migration and they get eaten by sharks and and other predatorial fish that come in from the salt water, dolphins, sharks, all kinds of stuff. So you know, they just don't get a chance to get to get any size to them. I mean it, too it's too
0: hostile of an, of an environment.
2: It, it's interesting too how some of the guys, all the camera guys don't like it. None of the camera guys like it. But it's funny how some of the anglers hate it and some of the anglers love it because they love those like Bill Lowe and, Lo, and Matt Heron, they love that grinding tournament where you gotta You got to find them that, you know, it separates the men from the boys and all that stuff. But I got to tell you from a cameraman perspective, I'm into the big, you know, the big bag, big fish derbies. (laughs) I get that.
0: I get that. And there is, I mean, there's something baked in us all without even thinking of it. There's a different response you have. I mean, a two pounder is a four pounder, whatever you want to turn it into. It, 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 It doesn't matter like for the tournament, but there is something it must be like baked into our instincts or something like what you don't think of this. But when you see somebody set the hook and a six pounders head comes up, like without thinking about it, you know, that's different. And even though a two pounder in this situation or a four pounder or a five pounder means even more than a the six pounder on any other fishery it just doesn't give you the same you know what i mean it doesn't give you that same but but it um i think it was a great tournament i think if you don't like forward-facing sonar you love that tournament because it was hardly even a part of it um it was an old school fishing tournament and um uh, I thought, I mean, it's weird. I go through waves with orange. Like I love orange. I love the people. Like there's some of the best hosts we've ever had. And every person you meet there, they just go out of their way. They're incredible. Um, But this one, this one was a grind for a lot of people. I, I think it's a bad time of year to have it. Weird. Like I'm, in my opinion, I mean, schedule doesn't happen once it does, but I think it's really hot for the spectators although they still came out, but you'd see people just sitting there and sweating through their shirt sitting. Um, and I think it's tougher on the anglers because of the time of year it is not that the fishing's that much tougher. Yeah. It's hotter. And, but I mean, a lot of our anglers live in that heat. Um, but I think it's tougher on them at a time of year. This is, you know, four events left going into Sabine three. Now this is when the tempers and the, and the, disgruntlement starts because this is a lot it. of anglers are not going to make the classic or going to get eliminated from the elite series. There's, there's a pressure on everybody. They're trying to win angler of the year. So it's a And whenever we go to Sabine, no matter how good it is, 60% of the field, maybe 70% of the fields, going to have a really tough time, a really, really tough tournament, even people to make paychecks because that's the kind of fishery it is that's easier for an angler to swallow at the second or third stop of the year than it is the sixth that was the only takeaway i had from it
2: i agree and some of those guys a lot of the guys are you know large mouth power fishermen and we're getting ready to go up to smallmouth the smallmouth world while there's power fishing up there it's not the same thing and so if they're way behind right now in points now they're really starting to feel the pressure with their families it's it's career changing or it can be so you know there's there's they're definitely starting to feel and you can tell like you said this is the time of year when it always comes up and 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 you know you feel for those guys too because they work so hard this they're living a dream and yet at the same time it's like hey man you know winning solves everything right
0: every problem in bass fishing it seems you know <laughs> sponsors not paying you enough catch more bass it'll get exactly. better not getting enough coverage catch more bass it gets it's horrible but it's true it answers every i mean not having a good time at the sabine river catch more bass. like you never see somebody in the top 10 that walks across the stage in that crazy crowd and says yeah let's not do this again they they all like they make saturday and sunday and it's like that tournament it switches because it's like this is why we do it. I mean, it's, exactly. It's I incredible. Think, I think too.
2: Saturday. It doesn't matter if it's a big power giant bass derby or the Sabine River or Winyaw Bay or something like that. What you know, Saturday and Sunday always gets really competitive. And so, I mean, unless someone just completely blows the field away, like like Caleb Kufal did at Gunnersville yeah. or something like that it always gets nail biting. And even if the fishing is slow or the weights are small, there's still this intensity that occurs on, on Saturday, but then even more so obviously on Sunday, because there's so much at stake. It, yeah. it's, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what kind of fishery on. Cause it's intense, right?
0: That's one of the things that impresses me most about our champion. I mean, Brock has, has made the final day twice before once when it was a 12 cut and once when it was a 10 cut that he finished second in the last time we were here and obviously won this one to, it says a lot about Brock Mosley to, to do that. I mean, maybe the most consistent, because if you look at Hackney, he's won there, but his track record outside of that isn't great. I mean, Jason Christie was the one who pointed that out. And Jason Christie said, I won here, but I don't think I've ever weighed 10 pounds another time. Like it's, really hard to stay consistent there and brock Mosley has stayed consistent but stayed consistent by going to totally different areas every single time once it was houston once it's taylor's once it's right there at takeoff so um it says a lot about brock as an angler and finally brock Mosley is an elite series champion man it, it i was nervous going into way and like that what do i say to him if it doesn't happen this time
2: oh my goodness I think every, I mean, I talked to several people there side stage, you know, if some of his family members, friends that were hanging out. We were all under the gooseneck part of the media trailer, staying out of the rain there, you know, right when Wayne yeah. was about to start. And I was with Brock Mosley's family and friends there. They were all gathered. They were all wearing his jersey and all that stuff. And, you know, and it came up in conversation. What if because someone said Clark Winlet has bigger fish than everyone thinks he
0: does? He always so, does. He, yeah, always, he always and he does. did. Always. It was almost a pound different, like 15 ounces, he was light. Right. But I, I mean he's always light on his weights.
2: And well, and and we didn't know if he was a pound low or two and a half pounds low, which would have made it really, really interesting. So, you know, the conversation came up what if you know what if Clark had, had went ends up winning this and Brock comes in second again and I'm just sitting there going, how do you how do you deal with that? Then the topic of Dan Marino never winning a Super Bowl comes up again?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, but if you look at it too, I mean, dude, I know Brock's got five seconds but Clark Wendlet's never won the lead. Clark Wendlet's never won a Bassmaster tournament. Like Clark Wendlet is one of the most decorated pros out there consistency wise, but he's never won a Bass tournament. So, I mean, actually nobody, that was weird. I don't remember the last time that literally our entire top 10 had never won an elite series event. Do you remember a top 10 where there wasn't at least one? I don't. Brandon and I talked
2: about that on the way to the airport Sunday night And I don't remember any time that there was a whole top 10 that had never won. But then again, you know, to defend that, I guess you got to, we also got to remember this is year five into the, the, you know, the flip and a lot of people came up out of, you know, the opens or FLW or wherever they came from. So, you know, for, for years to come, there's going to be a lot of firsts that we, that we encounter along the way. Right.
0: Yeah, but I mean, there's still a lot of people who have won. You know what I mean? To not have True. any of them in there is is what shocks me. You know what I mean? Like, they, I don't remember. But you're right. There's going to be a lot of firsts. Um, but one of the things that we need to talk about at the event that we didn't even get to see, Josh Trachner never even got to fish the event. And what a weird turn of events for him. Um, I've heard all different. Stuff, But basically, what it ended up happening is, and there's some weird turns and <laughs> weird stuff with this, but um, ultimately, um, I, it's just a weird thing, the way he couldn't, like, he got a fine for fishing without a license when he claims not to be fishing. I, I think it was on Oahe when he was up there scouting, and he wasn't fishing, he was graphing. every every, everybody and i know that's hard the weird thing in this story is it that's hard for a traditional angler to accept what you go practice but you don't plan on casting well no there's a lot of pros who literally don't put boat don't want the distraction of putting rods in their boat because they will get distracted and fish so they literally just idle so he got a fine in south dakota for fishing without a license but he got it after he was off the water. I don't know how that's even a thing. I don't, I number one, I don't know how he, he didn't fight it. Um, but I also get that too, because it's a fine. You know what I mean? You pay your ticket, move on. Like I'm not going to fight it or whatever, but that's on his record. And there is, I wrote this down. What is the name of the rule? Hold on. Look at this. I did some research. You're impressed. There is a compact interstate law that involves 48 different states. So a lot of states are part of it, but very few states recognize it, I guess. So when you get a license infraction in one state, the other state can deny you the ability to buy a license. So he paid his fine in South Dakota, thought it was in the past, shows up in Orange, Texas, ready to fish this tournament, tries to buy a Texas fishing license. Actually, I think he showed up in in Orange. I think that's how it went down. I I don't know if he realized it beforehand. Um, And... Everything's allegedly on this show moving forward, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was denied to buy a Texas state license. So if you don't have a license, you can't compete. I mean, you're breaking a state law. Um, I've heard some people online being like, why, why didn't Bass turn a blind? Eye? Well, Bass can't because oh, that's a rule. Could you that imagine? You imagine Brock Mosley finished second to Josh Trachner in this tournament, and then he finds out afterwards, well, Bass turned a blind eye like you i mean you you need a license but whether you agree with licenses disagree with licenses whether you think that there should be a countrywide license which i've heard a lot of people say all these things none of that matters you need a license to compete at the nbfl earlier this year a guy lost a tournament because of not having a license so i i don't think that bass had a choice I, i i don't think that josh had a choice i think it's just a really crappy situation. And that cause you want to, you, you want to talk about cost? whatever the fine was, let's say it was a hundred dollars. Well, it cost him $5,000 in entry fees because I mean, those don't go back to you. I mean, that goes into the pool for the anglers and it's a, donation. And Josh understands that. So it's, it's, that is a painful lesson. Never mind the points and everything else that he's going to be dealing with, but a real weird story. So, I have
2: a story goes way back to my uncle. My, my dad's side of the family comes from South Dakota All and right. my dad was born and raised of there. And yeah. And ah. about, I would say about 15 years ago, my uncle Don was fishing up on Lake uh, Wabe, which is up in the South or in the Northeast corner of South Dakota. Okay. And he was walking down. He would know he was unloading his, his, His bucket, his minnow bucket, his fishing rods. And a game warden stopped behind his truck in the parking lot and asked him for his fishing license. And my my uncle Donald being the he's not he's not sarcastic, he's a jokester, but he's not really one to defy authority. But in this situation, he turned and looked at the game warden. He goes, Well, I'm not fishing. And the game warden says, Well, you're about to go fishing. And he goes, Yeah, but you, I don't have to show you my license until I'm fishing. I'm not fishing. I'm unloading my gear. So if you want to walk down to the bottom of the dam, when I get down there and I cast a line in the water, you're welcome to come check my fishing license. But until then, you don't have the authority to check my license. So I parallel that with what happened to Josh, because if he wasn't fishing again, you said at first, why did he get a ticket? And for him to not fight that, in my opinion, he should go, he, I, now that, now that what has happened has happened, I would go fight that because if he wasn't fishing, then there's no reason why he should have gotten fined for that. And, and I, I, based on my uncle's experience, he opened my eyes to something about that. And, you know, if you're not fishing, you're not fishing.
0: Yeah, and th- th- this is even I mean, dude, again, allegedly. Sure.
2: Disclaimer. I'm
0: hearing basically what happened too is he went to a restaurant to have dinner at, at a bar, and and he said, Look at you with the Logan Paul Prime drinking. Oh, oh my god. Those s- things are like twelve dollars a bottle, dude. What? How much do in- you get made for this crap? And, <laughs> do we pay you my kids my kids love those things but you can't
2: find them in stores anyway
0: um so he had mentioned that he was on the water to the, uh, as far as i know bartender says you been out fishing he said well yeah i was on the water but i wasn't fishing i'm here pre fishing for this event or whatever allegedly again bartender friend with game warden shows up at hotel after like the fishing's oh done gosh. like the or the scouting whatever is done and and that's why he got the fine uh, as as far as i've been told so everything's alleged but um i feel bad for him i feel bad for the whole situation and I, I think it's a learning lesson for everybody again you know like how important a little thing like that can can screw you over and and but i'm telling you i bet you it happens to a lot they go to a lot of states I mean, not that they don't buy a license, but I'm sure there's times where that's why it's a question they ask in the lie detector test. Did you have a license? Do you have a license? You know, did you have a license during pre-fish? Um, but yeah, a really weird, weird situation um, and it screwed him over. So that's the skinny on Josh Strachner As far as I know, um, I have asked, is he fine for the rest of the events? And I've been told that not only, can he buy a license in those States? He has already procured said license. So he will be part of the elite series moving forward. Um, he just missed that event, um, which, which hurt him. I'm sure because uh, he, he probably would have done well there too. His style efficient, but um,
2: so he, yeah. so to clear, to clear the the rules or what happens when that when I shouldn't
0: even talk about the bartender. That was too much info. <laughs> You, get sued so, again. Well, I'm, th-
2: I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Mowbridge. Bridge thinking <laughs> the bartenders <laughs> at <Moe> Bridge. <laughs> that's a, that's a weird place. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so, so to clear the, to, uh, questions on the rules there. So when you get DQ'd from an event like that, say before day one even starts, do you, you get zeros all the way through or how, how does that yeah. look? Yeah. Like that? I mean, so it's you're like you're not zeros. catching a fish.
0: I mean, you're zeroed. So you take zero points and move on. Um, And I mean, it's just a a real weird, crappy situation. Like, I I don't know. And I I don't know enough of the details. Like, I, there's part of me that feels like that if he had fought it, it could have got expunged or whatever the term is from his thing. And then he could have bought a license and be fine. And I'm sure he would have if he had that offer, if you know, but I am a, the world's worst procrastinator. And I know there's been speeding tickets and things I've been given over the years where I'm like, I'm going to fight this. And then 14 days later when it comes due or whatever, I'm just like, here's my credit card. And you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. just because you don't have time to deal with it.
2: Right. So I could pay it, see move on how,
0: how that yeah. would happen. Um,
2: he's a, I don't really know him very well, but he's kind of a quiet unassuming person anyway right that's his yeah, personality. He's quiet dude. So
0: it's
2: like he just you know okay well whatever i'm just gonna pay my fine <laughs> and move on
0: i just don't see how you can give somebody a fine i mean because they have a boat and said they were on the water like how do you know it wasn't wakeboarding like how do you right. know i mean dude that's literally like me go like if i had a bitching car outside like if i had some sports car my brand new Corvette is sitting there and I go outside and I put on my driving gloves and I get ready to go out and I'm revving the freaking engine in my driveway. And it looks like I'm going to speed. And a cop comes up and he's like, I know you're about to speed. Here's a ticket. Or, I mean, it's just, it's, it's oddball, but let's move on and talk about this event. Um, a great event, a great champion, uh, great crowds. Orange, Texas is freaking awesome. Um, you were with, you. I got, hold on. I got one okay. for you.
2: How about Larry Nixon?
0: Well, it was one of the Larry coolest Nixon? things about the tournament, dude. Yeah. Having How him in Larry? contention. I wanted him to make the top 10 oh, so me bad.
2: Too. Me too. And so did probably most people out there were rooting for him to make the top 10, but that was really cool to see. And, and deep down inside, I was definitely rooting for him and watching him on bass track every day you know, once he became a contender in that thinking, man, I, I really hope he makes the top 10 because that would be so good for him. So good for the show. Everybody, to t- everybody, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's nobody that wouldn't want to see Larry Nixon, you know, do that. And here's my weird little thing that I, I never said anything to anyone, but on day one, I introduced him as 15 time Bassmaster winner he's only 114, 14, Jake. I knew it after it came out of my mouth. I'm like, you screwed up. <laughs> so then he catches him on day one. I'm like, my God, I am a freaking future teller. <laughs> and I, but I didn't want to tell anyone because I would, I'd screw it up. And then day two, he catches him again. And I told James Overstreet, <laughs> and he didn't catch him on day three. So I'm sorry, Larry Nixon, it's my fault.
2: <laughs> it's Mercer's <laughs> fault. So we passed him. And, and this is probably a good topic to, to talk about too. You know, going up, upstream and whatever ri- river, whether it was, you know, Taylor's Bayou or last year or two years ago, went up the Trinity with Lee Livesey. And the Sabine, when you, when you see people, it was really interesting, at least this year it was, we passed people. And like, let's say on day one, we passed people going upstream and we come back four or five hours later, changing locations or going back towards the ramp or whatever it was. Those people who happened to be the people that did really well in this tournament were locked in on these very small microcosm locations where they were literally fishing the bank back and forth in really small sections and that's where they were catching their fish and it didn't matter if it was back you know in the bays closer to to, to take off or upstream that's what was going on this year at the sabine river people were catching them in very small microscopic locations
0: Hmm, really interesting Pipkins was the day one leader and he, uh, which is another, I mean, how awesome anytime Pipkins is in, I mean, we had Pipkins and Maddie Wong. It was like yeah. a, a circle of happiness, um, <laughs> in, in our top 10, but to see Pipkins lead and he said it on stage, he said, man, I just weighed in more today than I've weighed in, in the eight previous com- competition days. And if you look at it statistically, wasn't quite, but it was pretty freaking close. um, but He's never done. I mean, he's had triple digit finishes there, it's just been a nemesis to him. So, he had a, a big day one and uh rode that day one all the way through to Sunday. And it was good to see him do well, especially since we're heading north for the next three.
2: Mm-hmm. He needed who
0: are that. you with? You, you were well, I know who you're with, but for the show, for the optics of the show, I'll say, Who are you with, Jake
2: Lee Livesey? <laughs> 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 and he, while he didn't catch him to you know, to, to be in the top 10 on day two, he was surprised. I wasn't, cause I was keeping up with bass track, but he was surprised that he ended up, you know, in the top, I think he ended up in the top 30 or top 35 with six and a half pounds. The, yeah. the weights were a little bit lighter this time around than they were previously, as I recall. Cause I mean, what was the top 50, the cut line was like, Six and a quarter or six and a half pounds, right?
0: This time or the last time?
2: This time.
0: This last time, time yeah. it was like
2: eight or nine pounds. This time it was six and a half, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. they were a little lighter. But I mean, we've had them they're always kind of, but they're a little lighter, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, because you would think they wouldn't be, but um Lee's mad at me. Um so I'll why? just apologize. Well, he went to that big <laughs> uh, is it Randy Rogers? Randy yeah, Rogers. Randy,
2: yeah, the concert.
0: Um, on and and right after Wayne, I ran into him and with the got into a traffic jam. He has so many fans. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other story. You'll have to check out his YouTube series to see what happens there. See what it did there. Um, see that. but he was like, You gonna go to the concert tonight? And you know how I am once I get off the stage, dude. I'm all jacked up and I'll do anything. And I'm like, Yeah, we're doing the concert tonight. So, uh, and me and Overstreet stayed jacked up and said we were going to the concert. So we went to the concert and we sat on the Bassmaster stage of all things, which is at the polar opposite end of things. And uh, it was a giant crowd and uh, we only ended up staying for three songs. Not because what happened was we sat down, you know, that was, the problem. we were all good. Tired. We're going to this concert. Um, but we, we showed up there and, and it was still good. And then, chairs were offered to us. So we sat down and then two songs later, we're like, yeah, you want to go? <laughs> so we left. <laughs> and then Lee started texting me and said, I thought you said you were coming and blah, 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 blah. But in my defense, um, I woke up the next morning and I saw a video from Lee's camera person, Jesse, who Lee was with in the waffle house, just a mere two hours before I woke up for takeoff. And I was like, see, that's, that's why I didn't, that's why I left after three songs because, um, but he, I mean, I thought Lee started off pretty decent, but he was shocked with the six pounds to be as high as he was.
2: I think he didn't even think he had six pounds. I think he thought he had like five something. He was going to end up out of the cut line. And then he was going to have to work that much harder to try to catch up, to catch a check, you know, and, and fish on, on Saturday. But, you know, he ended up, I don't, where did he finish? Like 24th or something?
0: Yeah, he made Saturday. Um, yeah. I think mid, mid pack, mid 50s. So, um, yeah, 24th, somewhere like that. Um, I think he, his, his
2: whole year has been not so good day one, figure something out for day two and start climbing the boards. He's done that all year. And I don't, I can't say every tournament, but as I, re- I follow, you know, my friends on Bass Track, all day long at every event and every day of every event. And I just remember, you know, Lee, uh, not starting out so well at each tournament and just, he's had his, this has been a year of him figuring things out on day two and making adjustments, which, which is really interesting. He's good at that.
0: I'll tell you one thing he's figured out, dude, uh, that the crowd response to Lee Livesey this week was, phenomenal like and and to the anglers they don't know because i mean they hear the response that they get and you don't and even to the families you don't get to hear it because you know when you're if you're a family member and you're cheering for lee well everyone around you's cheering so it sounds like but on stage you get to really hear and dude the roar His hard work is paying off because he is Mr. Texas, the mayor of Texas, whatever. I mean, the way they responded to him, I think also it's the Louisiana thing. See, I'm weird with the people's champ because he wanted the people's champ, but I'm just like, it's kind of the most overused nickname ever. So like, I've never said it. Like I, I mean, and he's literally on the stage that I'm the people's champ and I, but I'm starting to come around. Like maybe he is the people's champ, but there's, I mean, three times a year, we have someone tell us they're the people's champ. Um, So I guess it all just depends what people were talking about.
2: (laughs) You know, when I put, when I do boat rides, I always do at least one boat ride uh, video on at takeoff out to wherever we're going for my social media. And then I put some, you know, corresponding music track to it and they get, they get, you know, a good response, but Lee's boat rides are always very aggressive because he's a race car driver behind the steering wheel there in his boats, whatever boat it is. And I always get a huge response from the people when Lee's driving and I'm videoing him. So he kind of is the people's champ. Speaking of the crowd roaring, what about Caleb Summerall? He had a, he had a very big response from the crowd. He did really well. he He needed that top 12 finish that he got. Um, and, and he had, he had a really solid tournament. Happy to see that.
0: Yeah. After day one, being in 69th place, made a big comeback. So, um, yeah, no, that was great to see. Lots of, Um, lots of big comes back.
2: Maddie Wong came from 55th to fifth. Yeah. There was a lot of that. And that, I guess that's the beauty of these little, you know, smaller fish grinding tournaments is if you catch them, you're never out of it. If you catch them, you can make huge jumps in tournaments like that.
0: Yeah, and everybody always looks at the big fish fisheries and says, that's where you can make a jump. You know, you go to Guntersville. You, it's a lot easier to make a jump. And it's not the size of the fish. It's the ability to fail. There's a exactly. huge number that's going to fail. So it's not, I mean, it's not like he came in with 20 pounds. Like, I think he weighed right. 12 something, he, right. you know, but you make a giant charge with 12 pounds because
2: everybody else everybody caught in between four pounds less than they did.
0: Yeah, when you're yeah. in 69th and you move it up to 12th, Everybody in between you didn't catch them, right. but if you're like, for example, our next tournament, Lake St. Clair, the majority of the field's going to catch them. There's not going to be a lot of anglers without a limit, so that's really tough to make it back because now you got to catch, you know, and whatever the mark is. Like if the if everybody's catching eighteen pounds, now you got to catch twenty five to make that comeback. But uh, yeah, no, a huge comeback. Two, you mentioned Maddie Wong, but two first time ever in the championship Sunday. Was Maddie Wong and Alex Weatherell, so congrats to them. And um,
2: Maddie Wong's fun.
0: I oh, like great. his
2: Hawaiian, you know, pura vida lifestyle, and his whole, you know, you. I like to follow him on social media because he's just fun. He's like this. He's like a surfer dude in bass fishing. You
0: know. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, he's <laughs> and he's his like his life is. I mean, he's a world class saxophonist. Um, like literally performs like, I don't know, Kenny G's time. Like, like dude, really? I'm talking like. I did not
2: know
0: that. Oh, yeah. Like world-class musician. Also a surf instructor at one time in his life. No joke. Taught the freaking Beckhams how to surf. What? The Beckhams. Nuh. Yeah. did what? Literally taught. Yeah. He's taught LL Cool J how to surf. Nuh-uh. Also, evidently, you didn't watch this episode of the show that we had I, Maddie Wong on because we talk about all that. LL Cool J, he taught him, yeah. His real name's wow. Todd. Todd. <laughs> <What> <laughs> different is Connor, Todd? Hey Todd. <laughs> <laughs> but Matty Wong has like the life that he has lived is incredible. But you he is one of those people that you just you just want him to catch him because you're like, this dude is just so good to be around. He's just such a good person.
2: Yeah, he's always positive, man. I don't know him very well. I'm starting to get to know him a little bit better in every tournament. When we walk by each other, it's, you know, it went from not acknowledging each other because we didn't know each other to, you know, hey, how's it going? To, hey, man, how's it going? To now we're fist bumping. So I'm getting to know him better. And the, the more I know of him, the better I like him. He's a, he's a cool guy. He's like, he's like the, the rad dude on tour.
0: <laughs> Much mahalo. Yeah. He was once go. in a pizza hut commercial. I'm thinking of all these weird wow. things that I know about him. I'm oh yeah. About,
2: I'm going to go watch this, your podcast with him right after this show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we did it from Hawaii. I mean, we had horrible Wi-Fi, but there was chickens and stuff walking around in his parents' backyard. And I mean, it's just, That's it's awesome. It's cool. He's just a great, it's a great, he's a great person. Like he's, he he reminds me so much of Carl Jacobson. Like when Carl first came to the elite series, he had some weaknesses and Maddie, and that's not an insult, but Maddie does not have the experience that some do. You know what I mean? From Hawaii. Right. So, but he's got everything else. Like if he can just catch him good enough to stay here um he just knows uh, how
2: to fish i mean he grew up in in the ocean i mean the guy you know he is a fish he understands what goes on underwater and did now what's his background as far as bass fishing goes he hasn't been doing it that long has he like when he won the bass nation championship he hadn't been bass fishing that long right
0: no i think he bass fished his whole life he just not a lot of competitive like you know he he lived in LA for years. So he kind of bass fished there and stuff like that. So, so he's got experience. Like it's just, I don't, I mean, it's, there's having experience and there's having elite series experience. I mean, even people that are very experienced come to the elite series and it doesn't happen right away. So it's, it's not easy. Um, But I think he's, I mean, he's got, he's, he grew up fishing and then when he moved to the states, you know, he did a lot of fishing in California and stuff like that. And uh, but man, literally, he's the he's the story. Like he had a 1990 bass boat with one working graph, and that's how he won the Bass Nation. And then he got you know a fully really rigged boat as part of the nation's best deal, where you win the Bass Nation and became an Elite Series pro. And and just like Carl, like I've said, I, I remember saying this about Carl, and it's funny, just thinking about it it comes out there's moments you know what i mean like there's a lot of people who come to the elite series and never have those moments Matty wong has had those moments this is biggest one you know his first top 10 but he's had cameras with him because he's caught him what you know he's had big days and and that's how carl started you know what i mean there was like
1: carl hammered him
0: today you know but he didn't get him the next day but he had moments, and the, and that's very much the way Matty Wong is right now.
2: He's he's setting his building blocks up, you know, brick by brick, and he's learning to win, and opposed to, you know, becoming a choker or whatever. He's he's definitely def, he's definitely learning to win. And him being from Hawaii, I mean, he's got that international feel to him. So, coupling him with Carl Jokimson from Australia, all the guys from Japan, the Canadians, and then Matty Wong being from Hawaii. While Hawaii is the United States of America, it still seems like he's from, you know. Oh, it gives it a flavor. It gives it a, yeah.
0: it gives it a little flavor. I,
2: lo- I love the fact. I think you brought it up on stage or someone brought it up how, you know, Bass has become such a worldly, a worldly brand, a worldly scene because of all that's going on, particularly with the Japanese guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I made a joke about it on Sunday, actually, because it went from Matt Robertson to Matty Wong. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, if you don't see diversity in this, they're two totally different people. But, but you're right. Like, I mean, I talk about that all the time, like, and how the international flavor, whether it be the Canadians, the Japanese guys, the Australian, you know, the more people you have coming from different countries, the better, you know, the, the more it gives it a, it, it, it's just kind of a cool flavor to it. And I think it, it makes it uh, more international, obviously. Speaking of international, who were you with on day two? I'm, I'm,
2: I was with the guy with the coolest name on tour, I think. I don't know why his name just like, it's like a, a WWE wrestler from 1982 or something. Kenta Kimura. Uh-huh. How cool is that? Kenta Kimura.
0: I mean, it's, it's like nice.
2: Kamala. Like, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just got this. It's got this. I, mean,
0: it's got I never this thought WWE. about it like that.
2: I know. I didn't either until I started saying his name. I was with him. I'm thinking, Kenta Kimura, that's a really cool name. So, yeah. Um, and he's a very interesting guy he's a bit more um, seasoned with the English language than the other Japanese guys, even Taku Ito. And something that I didn't know that I learned from Kenta um, was that when Taku Ito, Takumi, came over from Japan, he came over and fished the opens first and was Kenta's co-angler. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't either until Kenta told me that. And then when Taku, uh, qualified after his first year in the opens, Kenta was like, what the, (laughs) what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of talked about that, uh, in the boat. And I really, I spent three days, day two, day three and day four with Kenta. Um, and he had, he's, he's a very smart angler, um, he is getting really good at adjusting and I think we see it now in his tournament standings while I think, you know, he's not, uh, he's not in trouble with the classic qualification right now. You know, he's, he's not doing as well as he thinks he should, but for some reason, I, I feel like every time I turn around, I see Kent's name, he's doing well in the opens and he's doing well at the elite level.
0: Yeah, especially the last two years. I mean, last two yeah. years he has really done very, very well, and I think he's doing good in the elite series. I mean, I think he's in the twenty-something for angler of the year. Let's look. Wow. so give us the juice. People want to know what you saw. What? What? What exciting he's stuff? Baked,
2: you know, just like all the other Japanese guys. Twenty um, fourth. Twenty fourth. Know, yeah, solid. Good? I mean, that's and if solid. We're
0: heading north where he catches them generally up north too. He's solid. He,
2: and he, you know, he uses, um, he develops baits for depths and um, he was using this one bait, a topwater bait. I don't think he ever caught one on it, but he had a ton of confidence in it. And it's, 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 it's a cicada um, imitator. And I think it's called a Kimura, not not spelled like his name, but K-A-M-U-R-U, and it's made by Depths and it looks like a cicada, and it's got these propellers for wings on both sides, and it's a slow uh, retrieve, but it goes tick, 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 And, man, I had my camera zoomed in on that thing, and I was praying, I'm like, please blow up on this thing, just because I wanted to see a fish eat it, because it looked like a bat swimming on the water, so... Hmm. He didn't catch his fish with that. He caught most everything, um, you know, on a, a four inch Senko Texas rigged or a little, a flat bill crankbait that a square bill crankbait that he was throwing that he developed for depths, um, and he made adjustments i mean when fish weren't biting he stayed in his little section and he was right in there as you could see you know with wes's drone shots and some of the coverage that we had he was in the same pocket that brock mosley matt robertson maddie wong um hunter shryock and uh kenta kimura were all fishing in the same like it was literally a circle The beauty of that was Matt Robertson had his little section of bank to himself because he was on the other side of a big barge that was parked. And then Matty Wong and Brock Mosley were sharing space and they were literally going back and forth, literally like right beside each other and talking the whole time. And they, they were very accommodating to each other, although I did hear, and again, this is just hearsay um but i did i did hear that brock asked maddie if he could have that bank for the first little while whether it's 30 minutes or an hour We called him the night before and maddie came in we were there we beat uh no we were in there and brock was already fishing and maddie came in and went all the way to the back of the cove where they were, you know, sandblasting barges and fished there for about thirty minutes or forty-five minutes, and then came back to the bank where Brock was. And at that time, Brock had already had already caught his limit. Yeah, with, with one good fish, like it was already like Brock's going to win this tournament.
0: Yeah, that day three big bite that he got, which um, D Little. Uh, Dalton Trumblin. Is that, is that his last name? Trumblin? Dalton Tumblin. Yeah. Tumbling. I just call him D little all the time. So I like it. When you give people nicknames, it's horrible. You forget their actual name. Dalton Tumblin <laughs> is, Tumbling. is a phenomenal shooter, but he got one of the coolest. I mean, I hope they use it for the cover, but that moment where like Brock's like screaming at loafing the camera that. and the is under his. That,
2: yeah. That like a loaf of bread. He's going, yeah. Uh, Matt, he got a picture of Maddie Wong doing the same thing and he had the opportunity to fit to shoot both. Yeah, people. he
0: shot them both. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And he I, yeah, he is Dalton has come a long way in a very short amount of time.
0: Uh, he's an incredible photographer. Yeah, all the staff, well. all good yeah. photographers. So we're so on do you the think other side so many of them there. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go so ahead. we're on the other side of
2: the cove on the opposite bank. And we're sharing space with Hunter Shryock, who has quickly become one of my favorite personalities on tour. That guy is super nice. He's he's badass because he came from the motocross world, and he does great social media stuff. He and his wife, uh, Felicia, do. And, and he's just got this person. He's got this contagious personality about him that I've come to like a lot um, in Hunter Shryock. Anyway, you know, they were, he was sharing the same bank with Kenta and it was this, I don't even know how to describe it. It was these, these, these posts, I guess they were the base to probably a dock at one time and the dock had washed away from a hurricane or whatever. So it was just the posts, but it had this like, this, um, this orchard feel to it. Cause all the posts were in a row going vertically and horizontally so they could fish vertically or they could fish parallel and the bank was sloping up or the, the, the bank was sloping up into the shoreline. But when it got to the end of those posts, it dropped straight off into about eight or nine or 10 feet of water. So Kenta, he was, he was, he start he came in there and started throwing um, a frog, a popper, a really small popper frog, trying to get a topwater going. That didn't happen. So then he starts flipping that little Senko Texas rigged into the bank and found a little section where it was shallower and more sloping than the rest of the bank and those fish were hanging out on the edges of it so he started focusing on that little microcosm so again we were fishing we were sharing about I would say a 200 yard stretch with Hunter Shryock and Hunter took uh the the western hundred yard half and we took the eastern hundred yard half and he narrowed it down literally to like a 10 yard stretch where he caught most of his fish so i I just i just man the stuff that we get to learn from these guys on the water is phenomenal and how they pay such close attention to the details and everything going on and how that affects their success or failures in, in tournament fishing. It's, it is unbelievable how good these guys are.
0: Why do you think there were so many of them there? I know where you're going with this. I'm not going <laughs> anywhere. I'm just asking you questions. So, so
2: there is question. There is question and Kenta and I talked about this a lot. I did not talk about this with anyone else, just with Kenta in the boat, but they, it came up several times about whether those were recycled fish or not, it, whether it was, you know, where the bass Uh, release location was for that tournament on day one or from prior tournaments that came out of you know at, at the orange uh boat ramp there yeah but i would say that you could tell you could tell when 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 kenta caught fish that were naturally um spawned and hatched in that area they were very clean they're everything about him was was clean and fresh and then the majority of the fish that he caught and I think the same would go for Hunter and Brock and Matt and Maddie Wong you'd have to ask them but I'd be willing to bet the same thing a large majority of those fish had you know superficial injuries on them tails um uh, so they
0: look damaged. like released fish what's that so they looked like they'd been. They caught.
2: did, and 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 a lot of the fish that Kenta caught had had scars on their lips from from other hooks. Again, who's to say that came from you know prior days yeah. of of bass bass anglers or you know they were just from a tournament a week a week prior to that or whatever. So,
0: a lot of tournaments get win one on unreleased on fish. Um, moment of total honesty any of the stuff the last i heard i know me and davy had talked about it and davy had checked uh with bass and said you know did we release fish here i mean nobody's in the wrong i mean if it, i mean if, i mean how awesome is it if you've got a spot and all of a sudden fish more fish start showing up um it's not like they knew the location but as far as i'm aware bass said that's not where they released the fish so they, they must have been from another tr- if they were released fish um, but there was definitely a lot of fish in that area and, um, and a lot of anglers. A like, lot, I mean, if you look of, at how many that made the 50 and the top 10, it's shocking how many were in there.
2: And there were people coming and going, there were other anglers coming in and coming out, but, the five people that had really been there consistently had, had established their locations. And I'll go back 30 minutes to what I'd said before. This was one of those tournaments where people were locked into these little microcosms. And again, it wasn't just there. It was all the way up. Uh, Taylor's, you know, Kent Taylor's and I, Bayou. yeah, Taylor's Bayou on day three Kenta and I went up past everybody. Bernie Schultz was the very last, most northern angler up Taylor's Bayou on day three. And we went past him all the way up to the I 10 bridge, where this is really cool. Kenta found a drain, a concrete drain that was basically trickling water. I mean, there was a flow to it, about like a kitchen sink but it was bringing fresh water into this stagnant area under the bridge. And those bit, the bait fish were concentrated in there. The crayfish were concentrated in there. And that's where Kenta found his day one, day two, bags of fish in that exact spot, which is why we started out at the ramp, close to the ramp on day three. And then we made the run all the way up there. And it was a little over an hour right up there to the I-10 bridge in Taylor's Bayou, and he started throwing that little flatbill crankbait that he had. He caught his five fish limit up there, and we turned around and came straight back to launch and never caught another. Well, he did. He caught some other small fish, but he never upgraded after that, so that was a really, really smart move, but then unbeknownst to What I would have thought, what I thought was going to happen, I thought on day four, we were going to go back up there, catch a limit, come back down and try to catch a bigger fish. But instead, he went for the win and never went up Taylor's Bayou, knowing he probably could have caught a small six-pound limit up there, but stayed in that cove where he had concentrated on the afternoon of day three. It it was, again, you know, Kenta... Kent, one of the things he told me it was a really uh, interesting part of our many discussions we had on the water, but but every time he made a move and went somewhere thinking, okay, I'm going to make this decision to adjust to what's going on, thinking it's too crowded up Taylor's Bayou, it's too crowded in that that cove where all those other guys were. I'm going to go over here thinking no one's going to be there. Perhaps I'll run into some, a a pot of, of decent fish in there, two pounders, right? He would go there and there would be three or four other boats in there. And so what he brought it up, what his, uh, his, his explanation was, see in the opens, this doesn't happen. When I adjust the difference between the opens and the elites at the, at the competing level of anglers is And opens when he makes a decision. He goes there. No one else is there. Maybe he's adjusted before anyone. Hackney's there or Steve Kennedy's there because they're elite guys. But he would make those adjustments and typically have his thought to himself and make that adjustment. In the elites, he makes he has this thought, and then he goes there and he's like, "See, everyone's thinking the same thing. Everyone is on the same not the same page together." But everyone thinks the same way because they're so tuned into what's going on. Did did that make sense or did I confuse you?
0: No, no, it totally makes sense. I mean, I I just think it's a step up in competition. You've got, and it's, it's, I mean, it's not just window dressing. When you hear pros on stage say, man, these guys always catch them. These, you know, this, (laughs) they're not just saying that it's like you watch when people come and they're, they're world class. It's a, a level up. Like there's levels to every type of competition, but it is a level up. I mean, the opens are a lot tougher in many ways. There's a lot more boats and stuff, but like he's saying it himself, like the the reason pros are forced to adjust on the elite series is because they know if they don't adjust, they're not going to make the cut. They know that they can't just ride what they had into the weekend because the others are adjusting. You know what I mean? So it's, and it's, it's like, Iron sharpens iron, you know, the, you know, your training partners in boxing, you know, you want strong training partners. You don't want to, and, and that's, I think what he means by that, but, um, that's pretty neat. Let me ask you the tough questions. How many energy drinks did he have today uh, in a day?
2: Specifically Red Bulls.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How many many are we talking?
2: Four, at least four a day, at least four a day. And he smokes too.
0: (laughs) How many packs a day? (laughs)
2: Uh, two, <laughs> but to his defense, half of those cigarettes have to be put out as soon as he lights them Cause we go live.
1: <laughs> it must <laughs> so be he very like, frustrating.
2: He's like, he lights one. He goes, are we live? And then I'll say, no, we're, you're good. And he'll reach in his pocket, get his pack out, put a cigarette in and light it and take two puffs out. Of it and go, Kenta, they're coming to you live in 10 seconds. And then you don't have to put it down. So he's got a full <laughs> Red Bull can in the front of his boat. He, he runs a bass cat, a cougar, and it's, it's narrow at the front and under his graphs. He's got a Red Bull can for cigarettes, like an ashtray and then another Red Bull can that he drinks out of. So one of them, the one on the one on the left is his ashtray. So as soon as I say, okay, Kenta, we're going live. He literally leans down and stuffs a whole cigarette in there. And if I say, Kenta, we're going to go live in 45 seconds, he'll take a deep drag off of his cigarette. The whole thing. Bust the cherry (laughs) off in the Red Bull can and then save the rest of his cigarettes for when he goes off live. (laughs) He is so cool. I love, I he love Kento cool. Kimura. I didn't, I've been with him a couple of times before. Like I had him at Harris chain last year. Um, and we didn't really talk that much. But this time around, we talked a lot. And I just I enjoyed his company. I enjoy his sense of humor. I enjoy his his character. And he's very conscientious about trash. Like not in his boat.
0: He's not even throwing the cigarette butts out. A lot of people do that. He
2: wouldn't even ash. He wouldn't even ash in the water. He ashed in his can. He put his he, everything like when he listen to this. He he's was not an ash hole. No, he's not an ashole. <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. My level so, of
0: cheese knows no limits.
2: He's on the far east end of his little hundred yard section on day four, and he casts that little square bill. and he He just breaks. He's not like. I mean, he he tries to save as many baits as he can, but he's quicker to break one off than most of the anglers that I
0: know are. Yeah. He
2: just breaks off. He won't flick
0: his ashes, but screw that.
2: (laughs) He'll break it off because he's trying to save time. Okay. And he's so quick. Like he's literally a knot ninja. So he'll get his crankbait and he threads his line through and and he's done. He's back like he is a super fast knot tire. Wow. So he snags this little square bill and he's trying to get it off. He's popping his line, trying to get it off. And this time he's like, I'm going to save it. So he goes over to it and he reels it down to the end of his rod and he's poking it in there trying to get it out and he can't get it out. So he's trying to break it off. And when he does, he pulls this rope up, this big, not a barge rope, but a pretty good size rope. He pulls it up and there's three of his other crankbaits that are on there. <laughs> and he gets, <laughs> he pulls it like a trot line and he gets all of his baits off. They're all brand new, too. Wow. <laughs> it was so, it was so, I just, I i can't express enough how much fun I had in Kenta Kamura's boat. He's a cool dude, man.
0: He is. He is. It's funny. I don't remember who it was, but we were talking about the smoking thing. I remember we were in Florida. It might have been the Harris chain. He might have made the top 10 at the Harris chain. Um, none of those details matter he, okay no, he
2: did yes for sure so i remember I was boat, it yeah.
0: was championship sunday it might have been you dude that somebody's told him no smoking or anything and it was at takeoff it was and me it might have been you because year? i might have told you like he, he was we're pulled down at the bank yeah he's he peggy bundy in it he's just got <laughs> it hanging out of his lip that was and, me and uh you, yeah So you said something to him, and I'm watching the conversation, and he just goes. (laughs) All of a sudden he couldn't understand English. Uh, Zona started calling him the Sandman. Oh, Zona,
2: yes, Zona was texting me because he (laughs) Zona was texting me on day three tell me like tell kenta he's one of my favorite people on earth (laughs) and then tell kenta that i I enjoy working with him more than anyone else i work with zona loves kenta kimura he he does really and he He was calling him the the sandman Sandman because he steals everyone's dreams
0: yes that's why he sneaks up and mesmerizes you (laughs) with his tournament jersey and he turned it into it like he's explaining to me and i'm like that's He's like sprays the mist and she, he distracts you. And next thing you know, and I'm like, it sounds like Oscar from the WWE, who is, who is now the ladies champion. That's how much she, of a geek I am. WWE. I know these things. And he and he, she blows the Oscar <laughs> yeah. dust in their eyes and distracts them. Well, Kenta, according to Zona, does it with his jersey. And I mean, when Zona tells me somebody's a Sandman, I responded, well, Sandman, he shall be. From here on forward. So the I Sandman, he's, he's
2: just a, he's like a, he's almost like a cartoon character, like a, a Japanese cartoon character where, you know, he's got longer, he's letting his hair grow out. He takes his hat off and we're, we're, he's running a bass cat. So we're running 70 plus and his hair's just going, <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's surreal being in the boat with him. I, I, I love that guy.
0: I don't even know how to tell this story and not sound bad, but I really, I mean this with all the greatness, all the niceness. Okay. But so just explaining, Kenta, like he shocks me with so many things. Like (laughs) one day after the tournament this week, I mean, every area has some rougher areas, every town in the world. Right. So I'm on a call. So I'm just like driving aimlessly on this call. Like, you know, you just keep driving, just because i'm on a call right i'd rather than park at the venue so i'm driving and i'm go through kind of a rougher neighborhood and um whose truck do i see like at like this seafood <laughs> place like it, but it looks like like i'm like, like and i s- swear to you i mean there might be the nicest people on the earth on earth but it does you know what i mean like if if well, let's put it this way if you stopped there and got shot. And you told the story, and then you showed pictures of where you stopped. They'd be like, "Well, no wonder you got shot, you idiot." Kent is in there eating. I mean, he, no, he he's is, like that. He's yeah, like that. He's a man of the people. Maybe he's the people's champ. He might be. Hey, <laughs> Brandon
2: Feen, one of the other camera guys. Happy twenty
0: first birthday.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Oh, sorry. On, on, on his birthday, before your concert uh, that night, I saw him went, there. I know you did he I have a giant
0: belt <laughs> buckle. Oh,
2: Oh, Lee Livesey sent me a little video of him. <laughs> he was, he was dead. That was definitely his 21st birthday. But anyway, we went, he'd never eaten crawfish before, particularly that Southeast Texas, Louisiana, South Louisiana yeah. style. Right. So we go to this town bridge city, which was about 20 miles away. And we go to this place called the crawfish house. And we eat our crawfish and had a great time drank some beers and then we came back and i was worried about my gut like
0: oh my yeah GI, we know. My, uh, yeah <laughs>
2: yeah and, don't and need i was another gonna be with another championship Japanese.
0: sunday <laughs> yeah <laughs> this was, guy.
2: I, I know i'm thinking huh <laughs> this is a correlation <laughs> <laughs> i got a remedy for all that anyway but anyway <laughs> so i get in kenta's boat and we get to our first you know the the, the cove and we start talking about food and I was asking him like, you know, where he lived. He goes, I don't have a house. I live in my camper. And so we started talking about his lifestyle in the U S and how he's very nomadic. He's got a storage unit in Oklahoma. When he goes back to Japan for two months out of the year, that's where he leaves it. And then when he comes back, he just lives in his camper and he's got a cool setup. It's very basic, but it's very cool. So I said, well, what do you do for food? He goes, you know, he's talking last night I went to a crawfish. I said, Oh yeah, so did I. And, and so I started asking him about all these crawfish place, boil places. And he goes, Oh yeah, I've been there. Oh yeah. I've been there. And I, I said, I bet you haven't been to this place. Cause it's kind of off the beaten path. And he goes, what, what is name of it? I said, the crawfish house. He goes, Oh yeah. It's over by the baseball fields in, in bridge city. And I went, <laughs> <laughs> he loves seafood. He loves, he crawfish, he loves, he doesn't eat much Japanese food when he's here because he likes to enjoy the local cuisines, which explains why he goes to these, uh, these places. (laughs) I can't, I'm going to follow him around when we get to St. Clair in Detroit. I'm going to follow him around and see where
0: he goes there yeah and his camper that you you know like it does look basic it's like a little but allegedly it is like the the whatever you want to compare it to but it is the the bitch camper to have like oh, it's it's high dollar cool. um but it looks kind of small but i guess it's super that it's got it a pop small. up on
2: top yeah. it's a, it's an out, outlander style which is very popular these days and it, the top pops up it's not a not a lean-to pop-up, the whole thing pops up on gas struts. And he put a, 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 literally a 110 small air conditioning unit in the back wall. So now he's got air conditioning. I said, he has a goose down, goose down, uh, blanket that he sleeps under. And I said, doesn't it get hot in there? He goes, no, I put the air conditioner on the back wall and I said, "Well, does that keep it pretty cool?" And goes, "Oh yeah, now it's too cold." <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is—he's uh, something special. But yeah, no, his is, camper is, is the 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 one to have, like the one you don't see. I guess it's just super expensive, but uh, good for him. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, uh, wow, I'm, so many Kent stories. Just <laughs> I didn't expect to hear all this much of it. Anything what, what, else? Yeah, give me more.
2: Yeah, let me tell you give how he more. caught us. He didn't, he didn't catch the oh, winning fishing. bag. We're going to
0: talk about fishing.
2: Yeah, That's let's weird talk about for a fishing,
0: fishing podcast.
2: Bass fishing. Um, he didn't catch obviously the winning bag on Sunday, but he did make an adjustment. His, his Texas rig worm and even his uh crawfish Texas rig wasn't working like zero. And he wasn't seeing the fish up in the shallow swimming around. They're all suspended out in front now, right? Okay. So he starts throwing a frog on top to try to get him to come up. That didn't work. Then he picks up his, his square bill and starts parallel casting it down the edge. And that's how he caught, I would say, he caught 12 or 13 fish on day four. And I would say 10 of them came on that, on that square bill. So, you know, he makes micro adjustments and in the same spot where a lot of people would say, well, these fish are gone. They're just not here anymore. And he makes little small bait adjustments and technique adjustments and starts catching them again. Pretty cool. Yeah. He,
0: he wasn't he. Was it Murray where he was throwing the riser? I think. Yeah. I, the way I he was know. fishing a the riser there, which I mean. They all, whether it's a Japanese angler, an American angler, they all bring like, that's the cool thing about the elite series. They all have like these little nuggets. I think that's why collegiate anglers are getting as good as they are. Because if you think about it, like a really smart school, like Bethel, they bring people from the North, from the South, from the West. And they've got pros or or call it not pros. They've got college students. recruiting, Recruiting a football team. So you think about it. It doesn't matter what it is. Let, let's just say you're from the North and you have ultimate confidence in a drop shot. And when you have that bait in your hand, you feel like you're going to catch them. When you make the Elite Series, you it takes forever to get those little nuggets out of everybody. But when you're in college, you're work, that's the one time in your life when you're working with all these guys and you show them. So you impart like, exactly how you move it. Your confidence in it, everything. These this is the bait. This is the hook you need. These are the different colors you should throw. The speed ratio on the reel. Yeah. The rod. All it's all that been stuff. figured out for you. You don't have to put it together. So then that's got you covered for a drop shot. But the guy that's just learned about a drop shot, he might be from down south and he's used to flipping in dirty water. Well, he teaches that, you know what I mean? So each angler comes with, let's say, three things that they're incredible at but as 3 of them get together now they have 9 things they're incredible at. You know what I mean and that's that's why I think right. those guys are so but, but when you get I the agree. elite series it's so hard to get those like nobody giving you nuggets. You know what I mean? Like it's not like you're learning this stuff watching him. Right. It, it's not like he goes in and check in and starts showing people how he throws a crank bang. And and and
2: and some of the little you know those guys I say those guys, the Japanese guys, they bring techniques from Japan. Oh yeah, to the United States baits, equipment, knowledge, philosophy, all those things, right? And the interesting thing about Kenta's, um I, I think even his his square bill setup, for sure his Texas rigs, he had even uh, he had he had braid. 20 pound braid no 25 pound braid with 20 pound fluorocarbon leader on it that's how he threw everything so you know there's he believes that it makes it makes a difference to use heavy fluorocarbon even when he's flipping in cover
0: slow down the
2: bait slow uh, that and and it's not as visible like the line's not as visible to the fish particularly if they're high pressured fish so
0: he's got oh, yeah, then, then braid
2: right then braid yeah, okay
0: i got you yeah. yeah yeah
2: so it was you know again i can't even emphasize how 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 enjoyable and how interesting uh, from a brain's perspective it is to be in the boat with these guys and how much you learn at every single tournament, whether, you know, if they're, if they're not doing well, they always make these little adjustments and these little adjustments are based on successes they've had that would parallel an experience they've had that they're in at the moment. So they make that adjustment and all of a sudden they start catching fish in the same spot. You're like, this is, this is
0: brilliant. Very good, cool. stuff. Yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. Now we get a little time off. Yeah. What are you going to do? Fish. I'm fishing. I got to shoot shows. I got to go do my real job now, believe it or not. and This isn't my real job either. I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> I got to go make TV shows. Um, and one of the shows that I'm supposed to be on next week just got canceled because of the wildfires we have um, in the East Coast of Canada and all over the place. So, um, and the West Coast, there's fires. It's really dry. It's really dry. And I mean, the, where we were supposed to be going is um, about 110, 120 miles away from anything, but it's more preventative because it's that dry and there isn't supposed to be any rain for a while. So, um, it, like you could, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm far far from it but outside of my house right now you smell smoke like you smell it it's the haze like the sun is red um it's wild but thoughts and prayers with all those affected i mean i don't mind the smell and the smoke it could be a lot worse i mean be we have it here stuff like that
2: the western fires up in i guess british columbia or alberta yeah. They, I mean, they were, we were socked in for two weeks. We were socked in with their smoke and some ash that was airborne that had come in with the Northwest winds in Colorado. Uh And ironically, we've, we've been in about a seven year drought here. We're having one of the wettest springs I can ever remember in the state of Colorado. And we have hail every, we've had hail every single afternoon for the past month, like, like at two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon, go ahead and get your vehicles in the garage because it's going to hail. And it does. It was, we had a hell of a hailstorm last night.
0: It's is your crazy. car insured when it gets all beat up by hail? How does that work? It, it is. We are fully,
2: fully insured. I've actually had a, a, a Tundra prior <laughs> to the one I had before I got my new truck. Now that got totaled in a hailstorm and it, it it drove fine. It just looked like a golf ball.
0: I had a rental car once that got demoed. We were in Texas. and it got like I me. Mean, I couldn't believe like, While I had it and I returned it and
2: they never, never said
0: it. And, I mean, like, I got they, they just got it. I picked shirt. it up like that. Didn't I? I mean, I thought that was the finish <laughs> on it. Uh, it. It was pitted like a golf ball. Um, I'm going to have Brock Mosley on. I'm going to yes. talk to it, it, I mean, you know how I am. I don't like the champ chase, but it uh, I want to have these guys. I'm, I'm getting yelled at people by winners for not having them on. But we also want to do Jake's it's take. Expect- so I'm going to try it's
2: an expectation now, right?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and I'm thankful that they want to come on, but I'm going to sure. try and and do this. So what questions you got for Brock Mosley? Give me something.
2: Brock. Brock and I talk, we, we never talk about bass fishing, but we talk about bow hunting a lot. He's he's a big bow hunter, and a whitetail hunter, and he was going to come out to Nebraska and hunt with me a few years ago. It just didn't work out. So now we're talking about trying to find him a place to hunt somewhere else in Nebraska. Um, and so he and I, our commonality between the two of us and our friendship um, rests on bo- the bow hunting uh, concept. But I was really, really happy to see Brock win. He's been the bridesmaid what five times. Five times. And this was kind of a close call. There was some expectation, or, or you know, there was some there was some intensity going on at the final weigh-in on Sunday, not knowing whether he had, whether Clark Winlet had actually caught him or not. And not to mention the big fish that Clark lost uh on day four didn't he lose a big fish yeah he
0: lost a big one
2: yeah it seems to always be the be the the case i mean that's part of the budget right spilled milk
0: (laughs) yeah yeah he uh but i mean brock's been there before where he's lost i mean one of the coolest things was um brock's mom's shirt i don't know if you saw it but i you know i'd always call him a five-time elite series bridesmaid which Mm -hmm. For that person at times, probably gets frustrating. But that, I mean, you five seconds isn't, impre- but there's a reason I say all stuff like that. And it's because people need to know this. Like, what well, Brock's victory this week meant more to everybody because they know how many seconds he had. But his mom had made a shirt, and I guess she told me she had it for like a year, and it just says bride across it. So <laughs> there you um, go. Brock was finally the bride. And, um, You you didn't give me a question for him or anything. You just gave me a. I'm trying
2: to think of a question, but I'll say this too. One of the happiest people for Brock, and he mentioned him on stage was Smokey from Dakota Lithium. Stormy? Uh, I'm sorry. You were with Smokey. Smokey. Yeah, I was with Smokey. Stormy from Dakota Lithium (laughs) was super happy. Yeah. I turned and looked at him after you announced Brock the winner, and he was just ecstatic uh, about the whole thing
0: stormy is what you want in a partner to be honest as a sponsor i mean that stormy and brock have worked together for uh six years now i think Mm -hmm. um and um it it really i mean that when brock went out of his way he said hey man like this is half yours yours." um and he truly meant that and then you know stormy's a great dude and and their relationship was really cool to see it was a you know, it was a real Jerry Maguire moment. You know, they, that, they did it. That's a and,
2: great analogy. Great yeah.
0: analogy. It's what it felt like. And um, good for Stormy. Good for, hey, here's another congratulations. How about nobody talking about it, but five, five out of six Elite Series tournaments this year. I've been one out of a Phoenix basketball. Literally the only winner we've had all season long that wasn't in a Phoenix was Will Davis. Gussie. That's not an elite series event, Jake. That's the Bassmaster Classic. Okay. Remember all the people in the the arena?
2: (laughs) I consider it to be an elite event. It's not Not an an elite elite series series event. event. How many?
0: Okay, so then I would be out of seven. Okay, there you go. (laughs) I'm trying to plug my freaking sponsor here, Jake. I mean, you kicked off with the prime bottle. I'm sure you're getting paid by them. I'm trying to give Phoenix a little love. Who? One of the coolest things, and I don't get to watch a lot of his stuff, but one of the coolest things that they actually do on the Impulsive podcast, which is Logan Paul's podcast, is like if you plug anything, like if you're like, hey, man, I really like these glasses. They, in post-production, put a prime bottle over it. So you're always always promoting prime, no matter what. That sounds like
2: something they would do. Yeah. So a question for Brock. Maybe how, how, what was, what was Brock? I don't, I don't even know. What was he catching them on?
0: He, uh, was he was flipping. Yeah, he was flipping just, you know, Texas like th- that's what was the difference between him and Maddie. Like, I think they fished close to each other, but they were cranking. He was, Maddie was cranking a lot more. So, um, you, we're going to get into that with Brock. I'm looking for some Sorry. creative questions
2: here. Sorry. Sorry. How did it feel to find, how did it, well, you're going to ask him that too. Oh my God.
0: You're going
2: to, what, what question do you have?
0: (laughs) Well, why don't we find out coming up right now? Brock Mosley. That was, that was smooth. That was a freaking smooth transition. (laughs) Smooth. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. (laughs) Finally, the Brock is a Bassmaster Elite Series champion.
1: Dude, how did that feel? Relief. It was a stressful day until 3 o'clock. And as soon as I checked in, I pulled out my phone and I looked at Bass Track, and I was like, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, until then, I was like, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of hate that you guys are able to look at that. I know. Like...
0: uh, do you, I mean, and I know at that moment, like you really probably wanted to look at it, but do you, would you be in favor if it, I don't think they could make it like a DQable offense, but if they just had like an agreement that nobody looks at it on the final day, just because I just think that's just such a special moment. I mean, it was a special moment regardless, but I, I think every little bit of doubt that you can roll into that way and with makes it even more special. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean i i would I would be in favor of cutting it off at like noon. I love you. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just saying it. I mean, every event, classic included. uh um, wow. it, it it builds the the suspense, you know, of who's got what.
0: Yeah, and it also the other thing that happens that's evil that nobody ever talks about is there's. Dudes that don't win tournaments that are told they won tournaments. Like I've had several people say to me, like, I didn't think I had enough. Chris Johnson's one of them. The first time when uh, Micah beat him on the St. Lawrence river, he didn't think he won the tournament, but he checked in and he had people telling him, congratulations, media people asking to do videos with him and stuff. And the next thing he knows, Micah weighs 25, 26
1: pounds or whatever it is. Kind of like he's kicking stones. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I got in and everybody had thought, you know, I had won it. Um, but they wasn't sure how big Bill Lowen's eight-pounder was. They said, well, you know, is it a six? Is it a seven? And, uh, you know, it it was the same deal there. You know, that was the one that I really thought, you know, I had won it. Uh, everything kind of went right the last day. But uh, he ended up beating me. And I didn't want no losing it. He just flat out beat me. And uh, made it easier to swallow. Plus, coming from Bill Lowen, I mean, Bill Lowen, you know, he he deserved it. Yeah. I mean, he he was he's one of my favorites, that's for sure.
0: I saw. I noticed that he did hang around and made sure to come up and hug you. Uh, you hadn't even made it back to the stage, which, just so you know, your celebration was freaking awesome. And I, I encourage bet the, all of
1: future. Re- I the media that. people were not happy. <laughs> Who cares? They can wait ten yeah, minutes. That was my moment. I may not have another one. I, I mean, if it takes me five second place finishes to win one, then that means I got I gotta get to 10 second place finishes before I win another one.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone was that upset. They they but want to get the first and they're still gonna get the first interview. That you know, it's the best yeah. media folks, but I think that I mean, look at that way, and we had a bunch of people that stood in a rainstorm. Right. Exactly. You bring the trophy
1: to the people because they're what made your moment. He it, it too. Yeah, exactly, man. And and they showed out. I mean, Orange Texas showed out. Um, people may say, "Well, man, the fishing's not good." You know, it's not that the fishing's not good. I mean, I caught thirty fish a day most days. It's just that the fish are just small. I mean, you know, it's like going to Saint Lawrence. I mean, you catch a three pounder there. That's, you know, that's not going to do you a whole lot for you. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, but a 15-incher on the Sabine is like a four-pounder on the St. Lawrence. It's just – that's the way you got to look at it. Did you fish this event any different because of your previous
0: experience? Like, I mean, your track record at Sabine is pretty incredible, but did going into it and getting as close as you've been so many times, did you go into this tournament and fish it any different because of that?
1: You know, um, the Sabine – one of the locals he actually is not a really a fisherman, uh it's uh uh Tyler Rivette's girlfriend's dad, uh uh David Jones. David Jones, yeah. Yeah, he said the Sabine River is like the masters. <laughs> and it's it's a it's a lot of truth. He said, because every day you're gonna have different conditions, different tides, they're gonna move the greens around on you. It's just different every day. And this it is, it's a chess game, man. And you know. Not only do you try to stay ahead of the fish on that system, but you you got to try to stay ahead of the competition. I knew what I did last time. I knew guys were going to go over there and practice. It's just, you know, it's just part of doing well in an event. You kind of got to erase it from your memory. And I didn't even go over there because last time when I did well over there, me and Zaldane were the only ones to go, and I'm pretty sure we were the only ones to even practice over there. Well, I got wind, you know, the second day of practice that there was six or seven boats over there. And that's not a very big area at all. So I'm like, well, you know, I know for sure I'm not going. And, uh, you know, I was like, you know, of course, this time of the season, you start stressing a little bit over the Classic uh, if you're right on that bubble, you know. And uh, I'm like, well, I need every point I can get. Um, And I was catching better quality average keepers around takeoff you know those pound and a half to pound and three quarter to two pound fish I was getting more of those bites around the Sabine river rather than anywhere else so I was like you know what I'm gonna try to stay around here uh maximize my time on uh the early bite because there was I mean before the sun got up they bit the first hour and a half really well and then uh I was like then you know if I want to go if I'm going to win this thing I'm going to need a big one so uh once I get my limit that I'm comfortable with, I'll run to Taylors and see if I can catch a big one. Worked out pretty good. It did. It did. I mean, even, you know, on day two I broke down, uh, kind of. I had, I had What issues- happened? I didn't know what happened that day. Okay, so I was running down and I hit a barge wake pretty hard. <laughs> Uh, I may not have slacked up a little bit or seen it coming. I mean, I seen the bars, but it was pushing against the tide and the current. So the weight was bigger on the backside of it. Yeah. I kinda, not as hard as Seth fighter hit the ship weight that time <laughs> at St. Lawrence, but it was pretty bad. Um, well, I got back and I was running, you know, I got back to full speed and all of a sudden I trimmed it and everything died. My, my mm. electronics, my motor, I'm going 70 miles an hour and it just dies. And, uh, I had a uh, AGM cranking battery, and when I, uh, which I didn't know it, I, I looked back at my batteries, everything was good, cranked right up. So I was like, okay, what well, cranked up? We're going to continue to go. <laughs> so I get back on pad, I start to trim it up, everything dies again. And I was like, okay, well, that's weird. Let's try it one more time. <laughs> and I got back on pad, and I instead of trimming it up, I used my jack plate, and did again, everything died, motor, everything. So I ran all the way back to takeoff and I was literally almost at the canal to Taylor's. I mean, I was, I was all the way down oh. toward Arthur and, uh, I called Lisa, I got it on pad and I didn't touch my trim or nothing. I just, I'm easing my way back. I called Lisa when I got on pad, told her what's happening that I'm on my way back. And then, you know, I had a camera crew following me that day and I asked her, I said, you know, if, if it shuts down, um, uh, can I, can I uh, get towed back by them? She said, yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, and then when I was, got on the phone with her, I called the service guys and said, hey, man, I'm on my way. So they had a trailer in the water waiting for me when I got back. And it was kind of pretty funny. I'm pretty proud of it because when I got up there and I, I put my boat on the trailer, I had them all stumped. I mean, every service guy in the yard was around my boat and they're all scratching their heads. And I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> Couple times they thought they had it figured out, they put me back in the water. I take off, same thing. <laughs> so uh finally one of them touched uh the terminal on my AGM battery and it's hot. And they're like, well, that ain't right. And he just kind of turns the terminal and the terminal's turning on the battery. Huh. And he's like, Man, maybe that's it. So they swapped out my AGM battery for another one and it, it fixed it right away. And Andy, uh for a, Phoenix, uh, the service guy for Phoenix, he put it in the back of his truck, and he said he touched it two hours later, and it was hard as a rock, wouldn't move. But uh, wow, I got back in in on the water, and it was like 11 o'clock, and I looked at my gas, and I burned 18 gallons of gas. And I'm like, man, I don't think I can make it on gas. (laughs) And I was like, not to mention, I'm due back in four hours. I was like, but I already got 10 pounds, 10 and a half pounds on my scale. I said, I'm good. I can go over there, and fish for an hour, and just try to catch one big one. So I said, I'm going to do it. So I struck out and I ran 5,000 RPMs all the way over there to conserve fuel and uh, made it over there with only burning 30 gallons total for the day. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're good. And I, you know, I went like two and a half hours while wetting a hook that day. And, uh, you know, of course, I had a good limit in the boat and I really didn't, you know, wasn't stressing at all, just kind of everybody even the service guys like man you're calm for this kind of situation I was like i got 10 pounds in the boat and they're like oh that makes sense now (laughs) Uh, but i ended up going over to taylor's and colin twice that day uh with only like an hour to fish but uh it was one of them things where it was kind of pretty funny that none of the guys could figure it out i mean you got the best uh technicians in the world for those companies and they're all just like stumped (laughs) wow weird
0: weird um when's the first time you thought you could win the tournament At that point, were you fishing to win the tournament, or are you still fishing for points on day two? When when did you think, hmm, this might be mine?
1: Honestly, on the ride back from Taylor's on day two, really, after all that, you know, adversity, I kept my cool. I ran over there, um, putted over there rather, (laughs) and and caught two good fish, and and. And ran all the way back and literally when I was running back and I got to about where I started having boat issues it kind of hit me like uh, which I didn't know I, usually there somebody catches you know 14 fifteen pound bags the first day and then they'll back it up with eleven or 12 pound bag yeah. sitting, you know like me and Jason was two years ago way ahead of everybody I didn't know that I was gonna be in the lead after day two but I thought I was gonna be in really good position I was like if I I felt like, you know, for what I found there close to takeoff, I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can catch 10 pounds a day. And I was like, if I can catch 10 pounds a day, I think I'll have a legit shot. And, you know, that's what, you know, running back on day two, it just kind of hit me. The emotions hit me, you know, like this may be it.
0: So day three, when you start as good as you did, and then you get that one big bite, which is one of the most iconic pictures, that picture that Dalton took of you is just. it just explains everything you know what i mean it's it's you can't fake
1: that kind of picture you know i've been saying all week that you know you got to have a big one here you got to have a big one and i never did have a big bite in practice or in the tournament you know the biggest fish i caught all week was a three pounder which is a big one there but in two previous trips i've caught a six three a five and a half and another one almost five uh in the tournament and uh i was like man I can just get one of them bites. I, uh, you know, things could get real, real salty around here. You know what I mean? I mean, I was like, I'm I really feel like I can win if I get a big bite. And you know, at 6 30 on day three, you know, I I catch that four and three quarter. And Dalton, like you said, Dalton was just ready for it. They yeah. On point.
0: That's a great shot. it's you know, as soon as I saw it, I mean, the color and everything's awesome, but it's just like your emotion, it's it's you can't fake a shot like that. I hope they use it for the cover. I hope they put you on the cover and use that picture. That'd be it, awesome. To me, is, is is one of the most iconic competition pictures there is out there, and it kind of explains. But one of my favorite parts of this tournament is topwater. I mean, whenever you can win a tournament, it's good. But whenever you can win a tournament throwing topwaters, it gets a little one better, doesn't
1: oldest, it? One of the oldest topwater baits there is. You know, Um, it was funny, you know, they – Everywhere else I fished on, you know, just being other than that one stretch I started on every morning, they exploded on it like normal. Just poof, they got it. There they go. There, they slurped it. Like there was several times I'm sitting there working it, and I just took my eyes off for a second. I'm like, where would my bait go? And you would not know how big they were until you leaned into them. It was the weirdest thing. They, ne- they It was so such a subtle bite. And I guess it's because they were so deep, they would just come up and look at it. Instead of just, you know, a quick reaction, they just come up there and just slurp it under and go back down. You, like, I literally had to pay attention extra carefully uh, during those topwater bites.
0: So this is the most we've talked about fishing ever on this podcast anyway. So what you said it was relief. Like, so, so take me through you win the tournament. Family comes out on stage. I mean, you have the shout out to Stormy, which tell me about that relationship. I mean, I already earlier in this podcast talked about it, and I'm like, that's it's the partnership that people want. Like, it was like a Jerry Maguire moment. Like, Stormy has supported you, like, what, six years or something? You guys worked together? Yep. Into- I, was,
1: I was the very first angler that Dakota Lithium had in, on any level. I was the first bass boat that a Dakota Lithium went in. Wow. And they didn't even necessarily have a website, and I'm not really sure how I – got in touch with him you know i'm pretty sure you know that year i was kind of i think i was between titles i didn't like my title wasn't gonna up new for the next year and i was just it was something to that effect of course you know a new guy you know i'm still two or three years on the elites or in on the elites and you know just still building sponsorships and uh i just think i like googled lithium batteries and just started contacting all these companies and stormy he just he, he emailed me back and gave me his number and said, Hey man, give me a call. And it's been a match made in heaven. Uh, I love that. I actually think one of them bobblehead dolls behind your your right shoulder there kind of looks like Stormy, the one with the red jacket. <laughs> Which one? Right here? Yeah. That.
0: Just, that is, dude. That is pretty That's this is a great Canadian hockey Look. icon. That is Don Cherry. We kind uh-huh. of a, now. The only bad news is Don Cherry's like eighty five, and Stormy's not quite eighty five, but they yeah, do. But from distance, they do have a similar.
1: Looked, I mean, from, do- Don Cherry from a worried. distance, they look like Stormy. Oh yeah, no, I got that. I agree with you. I mean, he wears Kinda less track like pants too, than you know? I mean, Stormy wore the, the the American flag for a shirt. He did the, the final morning. I just saluted Stormy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you? did you have any idea to take in like the amount of people that really wanted, I mean, everybody, I mean, I know I've said it to you, to your mom, to your family so many times, Oh, this is building towards something. And, and I honestly do believe that. And I think your career is still building towards something, but those close seconds, that's why everybody wanted you to win. Did you have any idea of just the amount
1: of people, you know, have you had a chance to even think I, about that? You know, I- I really didn't at the time, and you know one thing that I have just kind of taken in is how many of my fellow elite anglers was really pulling for me. you know um, I felt bad you know because I've been in Clark's shoes, you know, which Clark had to really catch him to, to catch me, but uh, and he had a, the best day of the top 10, but you know Clark finished the second to Tyler, you know the first event of the year, and that's I was like, no. true. You know, I know what two seconds in one season feels like, and uh, but you know he has four angle to year trophies too, and uh, maybe you know just because he keeps putting himself in those top tens, but um, yeah, I mean just the overwhelming is just the respect that I you know I, I I didn't realize I had all those guys respect like I did, and you can't you can't put a price on that man, and that's that means a lot, and I wish I could uh, reach you. What, Gerald Swindle sent me, but uh, I can't do that. Not on. <laughs> but me, he, he, I laughed all the way home at his text message. <laughs>
0: okay, will you send it to me after we're done here?
1: Maybe. I'll have to
0: ask first. We don't. We don't want to cause any legal trouble or get anyone in trouble. <laughs> the run to the crowd was that. Did you think about that, or was that a spontaneous thing? Oh, I thought did? about it,
1: and you know where I got it from. Nelly in Pittsburgh. I was like, yeah. Even though that's his hometown, I was like, man, these people of Orange have been so awesome to us all weekend. They called me on stage at the concert the night before. I saw it. I saw so, it. I was like, man, I'm gonna, I want to celebrate with all these people. Yeah. But you. But it feels like say, you- when I got out there, I was like, oh crap, I'm gonna be here in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> but i was like i don't even care i only get this and you know it, today's my day and i'm gonna spend it with all these people
0: yeah it, it was awesome i loved it I, I loved every bit of it um to me that's that's what that sports about and that's honestly what that event's about you know and i feel like weirdly enough i think maybe just because you've been close because and been close in orange and be maybe because your relationship with tyler and different but the it's not your hometown, but there does feel like there's a connection to you. Like, all week, you were getting a great pop from the crowd long before you won that tournament.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, that, and a lot of that, you know, probably had to do with, you know, two years ago, you know, it two years ago was pretty much the Brock Mosley-Jason Christie show. I mean, we we ran away from the rest of the field. And uh, it was just a matter of which one of us was going to, you know, outlast the other and you know that probably was still kind of fresh in all of their memories and uh but yeah that those people there man they're awesome and they show out they do it right
0: one of the coolest things that i, I love that your mom brought up to me and showed it to me was that bride shirt she made because i mean obviously i called you a five-time elite series bridesmaid and she told me she made that shirt like a year ago and she's had it but it just said bride across it and i'm like the it's pretty cool. Like, I mean, but nobody's shocked to see it happen.
1: So, you know, I, I didn't mind you saying the five time bridesmaid, cause I mean, five times means like I sound even better than, you know, I am Yeah. <laughs> when you do something five times uh and that, you know, I, maybe Polinick has that many seconds, but not, there's not many guys that have this many second place finishes on the elites, but uh I liked it, but. I know Stormy and several others. You know they wasn't a big fan of it. Stormy—that's that, what I was known for. Yeah, but 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 here's the
0: reason that it's funny because I mean, just there's a reason that I say almost a, a lot of the stuff that I say about all of you guys. You know what I mean? Because that by telling people, by reminding people that this guy's been close five times, number one, it shows how good you are. But number two, it shows. It makes people invest in you. You know what I mean. That's the guy you want to cheer for. He's finally going to get it done here today.
1: Um, yeah, and that was the main story all week, for for the most part. Could I, could I finally bust through that hole and, and make it? You know, and uh, we got it done. I mean, it was eating on me a little bit about midday, but uh, I finally, when I caught, I caught one to Cole a little bit, and I was like, okay, we got this. Put your head down and fish. Make them beat you. What was it like to have
0: Hank and Tyler and I think Brad Watley was out there too, uh, cheering
1: you on, on the water. It was awesome. Uh, you know, Hank and Tyler came, you know, two years ago and watched uh, most of the day and, uh, you know, Brad, you know, Brad, me and Brad, we fish a lot alike. Uh, we really do. And, and Brad's funny. Brad is a hilarious guy. And he just kind of holds it in in public. I wish like, our cameraman that me and Tyler have now, he's like, dude, Brad Wally could have his own YouTube show and it'd be hilarious, and he'd not change a thing. Like, he just, he's just, he's he's, he's kind of like Swindle, but he keeps it in. I'm like, dude, if you if everybody knew how funny you were, I said, dude, you'd be like the next level on Gerald Swindle. <laughs> and a lot of times it's because he's being serious. You know, he's he's one of them that gets real. He, he gets real angry angry real fast but it's a funny angry like one day I think I rode back with him from the ramp on at Santee Cooper uh because he fished a3 and I didn't and he was going on and on and on and I he wasn't paying attention to me and I just hit the old video button <laughs> uh to snapchat and was videoing him him to listen to him gripe and uh I think it's because we sat at Dairy Queen for an hour and never got our ice cream. (laughs) He was going on and on and on, and it was hilarious. But uh, I wish he would come out of his show a little bit in public and let everybody know how funny he is. There's a lot of dudes like that
0: in the Elite Series. Keith Combs, the same – like, I mean, you get him doing impersonations and stuff, and he is hilarious. But, like, I've literally had arguments with him on stage. Like, at the classic, I had an argument with him on stage where I'm like – Cause he does this incredible Mark Davis impersonation. And I keep saying, I'm going to ask you one day, like what would Mark Davis think of your impersonation of your performance today? So it's the final day of the classic, I think. And he's on stage and I'm like, can we do Mark Davis? He's like, don't do it. And I'm like, and this is all I'm holding the mic down. I'm like, come on, they'll love it. He's like, don't do it. And I'm like, I'm doing it. We, <laughs> I ended up, didn't end up doing it. Cause he didn't want to do it, but there's a lot of really funny dudes on tour. Um, oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're all just kind of a bunch of rednecks fishing together and competing together and traveling together. So it's kind of funny, you know, Chris and Corey from up north, I mean, from, you know, right there where you are, they're the same way. I mean, you get them two together, Matt Robinson. I mean, it's just just best not to go out on the town with them, you
0: know? No kidding. No kidding. Does it shock you that Matt Robertson was literally thinking of going tuna fishing on the final day of the tournament when he was in fifth place?
1: I yelled at him across the water when he was fishing, uh, just the other side from me on that final day. He said, man, I'm just so glad you got your pants on today. (laughs) I didn't want to fish (laughs) with you in your underwear. Why was there so many, why was there so many fish there
2: in that area?
1: I really don't know. I mean, I, I said from the get go, I thought they were retreads from two years ago. Um, one of the guys at that after party said, that lives there says they, one of the locals that fishes their Tuesday Nighter every week said he goes in there every week and he catches seven or eight pounds. Now he don't win unless it's tough because they can go to Louisiana side into the marsh. Yeah. And every week he's got seven or eight pounds. And he also said that that guy's probably pretty ticked off at me right now. <laughs> but uh, hey, it was worth it. Yeah i'll I'll do it how was the after party it was pretty good stormy stormy came through on that end i didn't even know about it uh but uh we showed up and my wife and and kendall tower's girlfriend was like take your trophy it'd be fun i was like i don't want to take my trophy to dinner you're like take your trophy i was like all right you know let them talk me into it and we walk in and everybody's standing there you know it was pretty pretty awesome i you know like I said, Stormy made sure he took care of us all, and then, you know, ended up Davy Hyde ended up shaving the head of my cameraman. It was pretty, pretty, pretty fun night. <laughs> what? What? What's? I
0: have saw videos of this, but what is the deal with shaving the cameraman's head, and why was Davey Hyde the barber?
1: <laughs> he made a bet. I don't even like. I didn't even like really agree to it. I was just like, oh, okay, you know. He's like, if you and Tyler win the rest of the season, I'm gonna shave my head. And I'm like. Okay, you know, I've won so many, you're probably going to get your head shaved. Uh, I'll probably get you a good trim, but that's about it. But uh, he held himself accountable, and I am i never even said a word to it. He's like, man, I got to shave my head tonight. I was like, okay, well, his hair was down to about his shoulders. And, of course, here comes Davy Hyde, the military man. <laughs> he said, let me show you how it's done. <laughs> And they had him looking pretty funny before they finished it off. They, uh, he had some two patches of hair right here on each side, down to his shoulders, and he's redheaded, so he's got like that that evil doctor look going. <laughs> but uh, it was a good time, man. And then I look out there, and they're they're using a leaf blower to blow him off. <laughs> oh, damn!
0: <laughs> oh, it was a good night. So, how long ago did he make this bet with you? Uh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> So you just needed the right motivation. I mean, literally yeah. all that stood in the way of you as victory is that bet and wearing your blue
1: Jersey on Sunday. Are you ever wearing the blue Jersey on Sunday again? Oh yeah. Cause I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to at least wear it the next time. And if I don't win, then we may burn it, but I could not wear it just because of Seth. Seth said, Hey, you wear that stupid blue Jersey. You're not going to win tomorrow. Just so you know, and I was like, well, thanks, Seth. Now I can't wear it. <laughs> <laughs> and then after waiting, Seth texted me and said, I told you so.
0: It worked. I mean, Seth knows some stuff. He oh, does yeah. know some stuff. So we're heading north next. And uh, two out of the three fisheries we're going to are fisheries that you've got a second place finish on. So why not just why not go back to back and go in St. Clair?
1: Oh yeah. That'd be awesome. I mean, it's been a while since anybody's going back to back, (laughs) but, uh, you know, Hey St. Clair, you know, I always say anybody can win St. Clair, anybody, you know, it's all a matter of just finding the right quality, those four and a half pounders instead of four pounders. It's just anybody can stumble across them. Just like, you know, I did, you know, and I don't even know what year that was now, 17 or 18. And then, um, you know, uh, who last time we went? Uh, Who? Oh, um, Bill Wilder won there. Bill Wilder, yep. yeah, he was catching you know just better quality fish than everybody because you know everybody's going to catch twenty pounds, but if that guy didn't catch twenty one or twenty two pounds. It's going to jump him up. Yeah, but it's a fun place, man. I, I always enjoy going to Saint Clair, and then course the two new york ones man it gets so hot down here you don't want to go fishing here <laughs> anyway so going up there and catching big smallmouth on top of it is just icing on the cake
0: i'm all for that i mean that was too hot for me last week i don't care people can say what i whatever they want i am too canadian oh. and too chunky to stand on
1: that stage in that heat because it was uh it was freaking mark, hot mark my cameraman the final two days he flew in on friday from alaska on saturday i was a little worried about him he got a little swayed back there you know on the back deck he was kind of hurting and then luckily on sunday you know it was cloudy and overcast the whole day but he was hurting on saturday it was hot
0: yeah it was really hot saturday it the sunday was very welcoming it was very hospitable um so what what is it like to you know like your phone everything like what what has transcended since you left that stage to today um how busy have you been
1: man i have not stopped i took a break earlier to go get a haircut and i was real close to letting them shave my head and practice <laughs> last week i think that's what started the whole shave my head deal my hair was pretty long for me and i just sweating all day you know i was like man this stuff's got to go but yeah i took a break earlier and went and got my hair cut and that's about the only break I've had. I mean, I hadn't even had time to literally right before we did this podcast. I went back and watched the final few minutes of weigh in just to kind of help me take it in. Cause I haven't had that time to take it in just yet. What did it feel like to watch that? Uh, it's emotional. It really is, man. You know, it, you know, it, 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 it I see how many people got emotional for me and that's, it, you know, it means a lot. You know, everybody I've had so many people text me, anglers, uh, friends say, man, it just – they couldn't help but get emotional and tear up for me. And, you know, it's just, it's just overwhelming. Yeah. How bad was the pressure
0: for you going into – not to this event, but this season? Like, did you – I mean, it's – like you said, relief. Was it really at the point where you're like, man, I need to win one of these soon or – or had you gone, had you thrown it away to be like, it'll happen whenever it happens if it's meant to happen?
1: You know, I, I really did. I mean, I, I really just told myself, if it's meant to be, you know, it, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. I mean, more or less, I'm like, just keep putting yourself in position and it'll work out one day. Yeah. And, you know, I've been fortunate in my elite career to put myself in position, you know, six or seven times now. And, you know, you keep doing that, eventually you'll you'll bust through and get one.
0: I was pretty impressed earlier in the na- year, and I've talked about it a few times, but, you know, and it, I think it's only natural. Um, but when Tyler won on Okeechobee, after you had been as close as many times you had, there was a bunch of people who probably thought, ooh, that's tough for Brock to take. But, dude, you, you were – incredibly happy for him was there any part of that that was like is it ever going to happen for me
1: no not really i mean i dude uh, what i really started doing and i'll I'll use swindle for this because he don't he don't care he'll just send me a dirty message later or something (laughs) i look at guys like swindle and and how long it took bill lowen to win one and, you know, Swindle's got two angler to years, but he hasn't won an elite series tournament. No. And um, Matt Heron's another one. I mean, there's so many great anglers that have great careers that haven't won an elite event. And, you know, it just – I have to – I've looked at it like that. You know, I mean, uh, Tyler, you know, he needed that win. I, I mean, he's – honestly, I mean, he came off a year – offseason where – you Know his title sponsor, you know, lets him down two days before Christmas. I mean, he don't have time to go find another title and then to come out and win the first one of the year and then bounce back with a third. I mean, I actually texted him earlier and I said, Man, I don't know how you caught a fish at Seminole. I said, if your phone rang anything like mine did or is, I don't know how you stay focused because you don't he don't stay focused anyway. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I mean, he was more focused on as similar of us playing ping pong every night than he was on the actual tournament. <laughs> do you think that's part of getting,
0: it seems like the more relaxed somebody can get the easier it
1: comes in some ways. Do you, do you think that's part of it? Yeah, absolutely. Man. I started fishing better and be truth be told when I got, you know, the sponsor backing to where I'm like, okay, you know, I don't, I had to stress about getting a check in the elite event no more. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what it boiled down to. And uh Tyler's real laid back and just easy going, and he's like that. I mean, honestly, and I traveled with both of them. Some of his attitude <laughs> reminds me of Jordan Lee. I travel with Jordan. Jordan just kind of just goes out there and goes fishing, and that's what Tyler does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the weird injustices of our sport because if you look in other sports any sport, football, baseball, I mean, you might be a rookie in Major League Baseball pitcher, and you're against the guy who's making millions and millions of dollars. That Even that rookie, when he's pitching the ball, is still making more money than most <laughs> – league minimum, if he's getting paid, he's making more money than most people he went to school with. And yep. the last thing he's thinking of when he's throwing that ball is, man, I better throw a safe pitch to make sure – I make a ten thousand
1: yeah. dollar check. I, I think it's one of the toughest things to overcome. Absolutely, man. And it, it. I remember after my fourth season, I I was qualified for the classic. I, I remember texting John Cruz, and I said, "Dude, how long did it take you till you? It felt like you had actually fully made it." And he said, "About the end of my fifth year." And he hit it about net. I mean, just nail on the head, man. I mean, he just. That was. It took me about five full years before I finally felt like, okay, you're here. You're here to stay. And it takes time. It don't happen overnight. Do you think you'll fish different now that you've won this? I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, you know, it's just I don't. I. I, It's hard for me to say that I fish to win. You know what I mean? Like I just. I try to say. I try to stay consistent, and that's the main thing. Now I will say. One of the main reasons I went to Taylor's to try to catch a big one every day is because I read some of the pre-tournament uh, fantasy picks or, you know, some of these things online on on social media. And there was a bunch of people picked me to win, like a bunch. And I'm like, crap, if I just sit here and try to catch eight or nine pounds every day, I'm not going to win. <laughs> and I'll let everybody down. So uh, once I got to that, you know, eight or nine pounds every day, that's when I went to Taylor's and tried to catch a big one. So you actually thought of the fantasy fishing folks? I did, because, <laughs> dude, I don't know how many times, it, especially this year, like, uh, the Jeff at Phoenix, he's like, <laughs> had a, after a bad event, he's like, man, had you picked on fantasy this week. You let me down. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> Well, he usually, he usually texts me on Wednesday to ask me, man, do I need to take you off my team? <laughs> <laughs> that's another
0: amazing thing that's happening this season too. I mean, five out of the six elite series events have been won out of a Phoenix boat this year. That is awesome. It's pretty incredible. Um, but I mean, we got a few more events ahead. Big news here today. I want to talk to you about before we let you go to do uh, you're doing podcasts all week. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, pretty booked.
0: Right. Pretty, pretty booked. <laughs> Do um, you hear about Live and PGA? They merged? Yeah, I've
1: seen that just a few minutes ago and I'm like, okay, money does talk.
0: <laughs> Do you think that could ever happen in fishing? I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: Because I don't... it was real similar. Yeah. Nah, it's
0: The only thing that's different is the money. A lot more money. money and, way different. <laughs> and what, that's why I hate when people compare. Like, if you've watched that, what is that series? There's a Netflix series that shows the PGA behind the scenes or whatever. It's kind of like the Formula One series. But I watched it. And, dude, I'm watching it. And the whole way through it, all that kept screaming in my head is all these people on podcasts that talk about how fishing is like golf. And I'm like, not one of the dudes that I work with leaves on a jet. These guys all leave on jets. Some of them have to leave on their buddy's jet, but it's still a jet that they fly out of there. You're in home that afternoon. Yeah. It, it's the only difference is a lot of money and a lot of viewership. Um, but I do think there's similarities in that. It's an individual sport. And I don't know that we could have emerged just simply because I,
1: we may have bigger egos.
0: I don't know. You watch that series. There's some oh, big
1: uh, egos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, when you have a jet, ego you can a get a freaking ego. Ego is a terrible thing. Yeah. Need to, everybody just needs to flush it.
0: <laughs> I I just think there's too many anglers. Like, how could you, you know what I mean? Like, so let's just say they merge tomorrow. Well, rough numbers, you got a hundred on each side. Like, so who goes? Or do, do tournaments become two right. um, hundred? Right. And then that's not going to be great, you know what I mean, sponsorship wise. And so who knows? But I mean, I guess if Live and PGA can do it, anything can happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As long as I get one of the slots.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: So what's next for you? Podcast, and that's it. Getting any, any off time in the next month and a half?
1: Oh yeah. Going- uh, well, you know, my wife and kids are out for the summer. So uh, I told them we, we got to get this week by us and let everything kind of slow back down. And then uh, we'll have ICAST in a few weeks. And, uh, you know, I've already – some of the phone calls today have been, you know, about planning stuff for ICAST. Uh, Hope wants to get my trophy down there. So, uh, you know, several GSM, they've called, one the, already talking about ICAST. So that's, that's the next big thing for us, you know, and then we'll have to start worrying about – st clair
0: yeah well dude you're an elite series champion no more bridesmaid all those bridesmaid finishes turn into top threes now he's got an elite series win and a five time well more than that probably if i go to top three who knows
1: we got i got one one third
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah there you go there you go um no thank you for doing this dude and i didn't want to take too much of your time because i know how busy you are but I got into this weird habit of not ch- chasing the champs, not having the winner, but then everybody else has you on your podcast. And then I get yelled up by anglers for not having them on. So sorry, Tyler, Yvette, sorry, Luke Palmer and whoever else won earlier this year, but we're starting a new tradition with Brock <laughs> and um, thanks for coming on, dude. I appreciate hey, it. Man, I
1: appreciate you having me on, dude. It was a blast and I appreciate you trying to get me to calm down on stage while I get my emotions in check so I can get through it. You know, it was, it was pretty emotional.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said that they thought that Overstreet's like, maybe that's why he ran in the crowd. He started to get emotional. He was like, I'm out of here. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. But uh no, that and that was an emotion, dude. Like we've had some victories, but that was a an emotional victory. Cause like, dude, you're, you are. And and just even the way the tournament was, it was like a Brock Mosley tournament, like an old, like you're kind of a throwback. I, I feel anyways, and I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're like, you know what I mean? You're a young Denny Brower. You, you know what I mean? And even the way you won this tournament, you won it
1: as a bass tournament. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't know if anybody noticed on camera, but there was at one time, I had all my grabs cut off. Yeah, oh, I never
0: no. noticed that. But but, dude, you, they hardly played in this tournament. That's like, people may not like the size of the fish, but it. I saw fish eating poppers. I saw fish eating frogs. I saw you know spinner baits. Like it was, an old school tournament and kind of the perfect one for you to win.
1: Yeah, it was. You know, we don't we don't have many of those anymore. But hey, it was a lot of fun. But uh, I actually. Before we go, I had a lot of messages about from, uh, you know, I'm in some groups around here and messages like fruit jars and stuff. And they're like, man, you made fishing cool again. Our wives said, you can go, we can all go fishing now because they got emotional watching you weigh in. I said, that's all you got to do. Have one person have an emotional speech about his wife on stage and all the wives let their, their husbands go fishing again. But uh, it's been a fun week and uh, man, it'd be awesome to get another one.
0: Well, Enjoy this one. I'm sure there's lots up. Great highlights ahead for you. And we'll
1: see you soon, bro. I Appreciate it, buddy. We'll see you in Orlando. It'll be hot down there too.
0: Oh.
1: We I ride know. me and Tyler. You can catch us, me and Tyler riding our bird bo- bird scooters around in Orlando again. Oh yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> there's always a good time to be had in Orlando. And you can there's a lot of I think I'm barred from Howl at the Moon. I had a little incident last year, but We'll talk about that off the podcast.
1: There's another Canadian that is too, and not there's four you can you know wrangle through your mind. who could guess I give you two one guess and you can guess who it is <laughs> I bet you I know
0: I bet you I know he is uh the a brother and he has not won an elite series event, correct? Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, dude. I told you it would end. You made it. You made it to the end of this podcast. I get it. It was a long one. But we had some really good conversations with Jake and Brock, and I hope you guys enjoyed them. Um, Whether you had to break this apart in a few bits or whether you watched it in one foul swoop, I appreciate that. I hope you have a great week. Enjoy being, And we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to, you hear?